section thirteen of the chouan by honore de balzac translated by catherine wormley this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter three part three he offered her his hand for dinner was now announced mademoiselle de venouille did the honours with a politeness and tact which could only have been acquired by the life and training of a court leave us she whispered to hulot as they left the table you will only frighten him whereas if i am alone with him i shall soon find out all i want to know he has reached the point where a man tells me everything he thinks and sees through my eyes only but afterwards said hulot evidently intending to claim the prisoner afterwards he is to be free free as air she replied but he was taken with arms in his hand no she said making one of those sophistical jokes with which women parry unanswerable arguments i had disarmed him count she said turning back to him as hulot departed i have just obtained your liberty but nothing for nothing she added laughing with her head on one side as if to interrogate him ask all even my name and my honour he cried intoxicated i lay them at your feet he advanced to seize her hand trying to make her take his passion for gratitude but mademoiselle de venouille was not a woman to be thus misled so smiling in a way to give some hope to this new lover she drew back a few steps and said you might make me regret my confidence the imagination of a young girl is more rapid than that of a woman he answered laughing a young girl has more to lose than a woman true those who carry a treasure ought to be distrustful let us quit such conventional language she said and talk seriously you are to give a ball at st james i hear that your headquarters arsenals and base of supplies are there when is the ball to be to-morrow evening you will not be surprised if a slandered woman desires with a woman's obstinacy to obtain a public reparation for the insults offered to her in presence of those who witnessed them i shall go to your ball i ask you to give me your protection from the moment i enter the room until i leave it i ask nothing more than a promise she added as he laid his hand on his heart i abhor oaths they are too like precautions tell me only that you engage to protect my person from all dangers criminal or shameful promise to repair the wrong you did me by openly acknowledging that i am the daughter of the duc de venouille but say nothing of the trials i have borne in being illegitimate this will pay your debt to me ha two hours attendance on a woman in a ballroom is not so dear a ransom for your life is it you are not worth a ducat more her smile took the insult from her words what do you ask for the gun said the count laughing oh more than i do for you what is it secrecy believe me my dear count a woman is never fathomed except by a woman i am certain that if you say one word of this i shall be murdered on my way to that ball yesterday i had warning enough yes that woman is quick to act ah 
i implore you she said contrive that no harm shall come to me at the ball you will be there under my protection said the count proudly but he added with a doubtful air are you coming for the sake of montauran you wish to know more than i know myself she answered laughing now go she added after a pause i will take you to the gate of the town myself for this seems to me a cannibal warfare then you do feel some interest in me exclaimed the count ah mademoiselle permit me to hope that you will not be insensible to my friendship for that sentiment must content me must it not he added with a conceited air ah diviner she said putting on the gay expression a woman assumes when she makes an avowal which compromises neither her dignity nor her secret sentiments then having slipped on a pelisse she accompanied him as far as the nid oak crocks when they reached the end of the path she said monsieur be absolutely silent on all this even to the marquis and she laid her finger on both lips the count emboldened by so much kindness took her hand she let him do so as though it were a great favour and he kissed it tenderly oh mademoiselle he cried on knowing himself beyond all danger rely on me for life for death though i owe you a gratitude equal to that i owe my mother it would be very difficult to restrain my feelings to mere respect he sprang into the narrow pathway after watching him till he reached the rocks of saint sulpice marie nodded her head in sign of satisfaction saying to herself in a low voice that fat fellow has given me more than his life for his life i can make him my creator at a very little cost creature or creator that's all the difference there is between one man and another she did not finish her thought but with a look of despair she turned and re-entered the port saint leonard where hulot and corentin were awaiting her two more days she cried and then she stopped observing that they were not alone he shall fall under your guns she whispered to hulot the commandant recoiled a step and looked with a jeering contempt impossible to render at the woman whose features and expression gave no sign whatever of relenting there's one thing remarkable about women they never reason about their blameworthy actions feeling carries them off their feet even in their dissimulation there is an element of sincerity and in women alone crime may exist without baseness for it often happens that they do not know how it came about that they committed it i am going to st james to a ball the chouan give to-morrow night and but said corentin interrupting her that is fifteen miles distant had i not better accompany you you think a great deal too much of something i never think of at all she replied and that is yourself marie's contempt for corentin was extremely pleasing to hulot who made his well-known grimace as she turned away in the direction of her own house corentin followed her with his eyes letting his face express a consciousness 
of the fatal power he knew he could exercise over the charming creature by working upon the passions which sooner or later he believed would give her to him as soon as mademoiselle de venouille reached home she began to deliberate on her ball dress francine accustomed to obey without understanding her mistress's motives opened the trunks and suggested a greek costume the republican fashions of those days were all greek in style marie chose one which could be put in a box that was easy to carry francine my dear i'm going on an excursion into the country do you want to go with me or will you stay behind stay behind exclaimed francine then who would dress you where have you put that glove i gave you this morning here it is sew this green ribbon into it and above all take plenty of money then noticing that francine was taking out a number of the new republican coins she cried out not those they would get us murdered send jeremy to corentin no stay the wretch would follow me send to the commandant ask him from me for some six franc crowns with the feminine sagacity which takes in the smallest detail she thought of everything while francine was completing the arrangements for this extraordinary trip marie practised the art of imitating an owl and so far succeeded in rivalling marchater that the illusion was a good one at midnight she left fougere by the gate of st leonard took the little path to need oaks crocs and started followed by francine to cross the val de Gibery, with a firm step under the impulse of that strong will which gives to the body and its bearing such an expression of force to leave a ballroom with sufficient care to avoid a cold is an important affair to the health of a woman but let her have a passion in her heart and her body becomes adamant such an enterprise as marie had now undertaken would have floated in a bold man's mind for a long time but mademoiselle de venouille had no sooner thought of it than its dangers became to her attractions you are starting without asking god to bless you said francine turning to look at the tower of st leonard the pious breton stopped clasped her hands and said an ave to st anne of Auray, imploring her to bless their expedition during which time her mistress waited pensively looking first at the artless attitude of her maid who was praying fervently and then at the effects of the vaporous moonlight as it glided among the traceries of the church building giving to the granite all the delicacy of filigree the pair soon reached the hut of galop chopin light as their steps were they roused one of those huge watch-dogs on whose fidelity the bretons rely putting no fastening to their doors but a simple latch the dog ran to the strangers and his bark became so threatening that they were forced to retreat a few steps and call for help but no one came mademoiselle de venouille then gave the owl's cry and instantly the rusty hinges of the door made a creaking sound and galop chopin who had risen hastily put out his head i wish to go to st james said marie showing the gar glove monsieur le comte de bovin told me that you would take me there 
and protect me on the way therefore be good enough to get us two riding donkeys and make yourself ready to go with us time is precious for if we do not get to st james before to-morrow night i can neither see the ball nor the gar galop chopin completely bewildered took the glove and turned it over and over after lighting a pitch candle about a finger thick and the colour of gingerbread this article of consumption imported into brittany from the north was only one more proof to the eyes in this strange country of a utter ignorance of all commercial principles even the commonest after seeing the green ribbon staring at mademoiselle de venouille scratching his ear and drinking a beaker of cider having first offered a glass to the beautiful lady galop chopin left her seated before the table and went to fetch the required donkeys the violet gleam cast by the pitch candle was now powerful enough to counteract the fitful moonlight which touched the dark floor and furniture of the smoke-blackened cottage with luminous points a little boy had lifted his pretty head inquisitively and above it two cows were poking their rosy muzzles and brilliant eyes through the holes in the stable wall the big dog whose countenance was by no means the least intelligent of the family seemed to be examining the strangers with as much curiosity as the little boy a painter would have stopped to admire the night effects of this scene but marie not wishing to enter into conversation with barbette who sat up in bed and began to show signs of amazement at recognizing her left the hovel to escape its fetid air and the questions of its mistress she ran quickly up the stone staircase behind the cottage admiring the vast details of the landscape the aspect of which underwent as many changes as spectators made steps either upward to the summits or downward to the valleys the moonlight was now enveloping like a luminous mist the valley of Cuisnant. certainly a woman whose heart was burdened with a despised love would be sensitive to the melancholy which that soft brilliancy inspires in the soul by the weird appearance it gives to objects and the colours with which it tints the streams the silence was presently broken by the braying of a donkey marie went quickly back to the hut and the party started galop chopin armed with a double-barrelled gun wore a long goatskin which gave him something the look of robinson crusoe his blotched face seamed with wrinkles was scarcely visible under the broad-brimmed hat which the breton peasants still retain as a tradition of the olden time proud to have won after their servitude the right to wear the former ornament of seigneurial heads this nocturnal caravan protected by a guide whose clothing attitudes and person had something patriarchal about them bore no little resemblance to the flight into egypt as we see it represented by the sombre brush of rembrandt galop chopin carefully avoided the main road and guided the two women through the labyrinth of byways which intersect brittany mademoiselle de venouille then understood the chouan warfare in threading these complicated paths she could better appreciate the condition of a country which when she saw it from an elevation had seemed to her so charming but into which it was necessary to penetrate before the dangers and inextricable difficulties of it could be understood round each field and from time immemorial the peasants have piled mud walls about six feet high and prismatic in shape on the top of which grow chestnuts oaks and beeches 
the walls thus planted are called hedges norman hedges and the long branches of the trees sweeping over the pathways arch them sunken between these walls made of a clay soil the paths are like the covered ways of a fortification and where the granite rock which in these regions comes to the surface of the ground does not make a sort of rugged natural pavement they become so impracticable that the smallest vehicles can only be drawn over them by two pairs of oxen or breton horses which are small but usually vigorous these byways are so swampy that foot-passengers have gradually by long usage made other paths beside them on the hedge-banks which are called roats and these begin and end with each division into fields in order to cross from one field to another it is necessary to climb the clay banks by means of steps which are often very slippery after a rain travellers have many other obstacles to encounter in these intricate paths thus surrounded each field is closed by what is called in the west an echalier that is a trunk or stout branch of a tree one end of which being pierced is fitted to an upright post which serves as a pivot on which it turns one end of the chalier projects far enough beyond the pivot to hold a weight and this singular rustic gate the post of which rests in a hole made in the bank is so easy to work that a child can handle it sometimes the peasants economize the stone which forms the weight by lengthening the trunk or branch beyond the pivot this method of enclosure varies with the genius of each proprietor sometimes it consists of a single trunk or branch both ends of which are embedded in the bank in other places it looks like a gate and is made of several slim branches placed at regular distances like the steps of a ladder lying horizontally the form turns like the echelier on a pivot these hedges and echelier give the region the appearance of a huge chessboard each field forming a square perfectly isolated from the rest closed like a fortress and protected by ramparts the gate which is very easy to defend is a dangerous spot for assailants the breton peasant thinks he improves his fallow land by encouraging the growth of gorse a shrub so well treated in these regions that it soon attains the height of a man this delusion worthy of a population which puts its manure on the highest spot in the courtyard has covered the soil to a proportion of one-fourth with masses of gorse in the midst of which a thousand men might ambush also there is scarcely a field without a number of old apple trees the fruit being used for cider which kill the vegetation wherever their branches cover the ground now if the reader will reflect on the small extent of open ground within these hedges and large trees whose hungry roots impoverish the soil he will have an idea of the cultivation and general character of the region through which mademoiselle de venouille was now passing it is difficult to say whether the object of these enclosures is to avoid all disputes of possession or whether the custom is a lazy one of keeping the cattle from straying without the trouble of watching them at any rate such formidable barriers are permanent obstacles which make these regions impenetrable and ordinary warfare impossible there lies the whole secret of the chouan war mademoiselle de venouille saw plainly the necessity the republic was under to strangle the disaffection by means of police and by negotiation rather than by a useless employment of military force what could be done in fact 
with a people wise enough to despise the possession of towns and hold to that of an open country already furnished with indestructible fortifications surely nothing except negotiate especially as the whole active strength of these deluded peasants lay in a single able and enterprising leader she admired the genius of the minister who sitting in his study had been able to grasp the true way of procuring peace she thought she understood the considerations which act on the minds of men powerful enough to take a bird's-eye view of an empire men whose actions criminal in the eyes of the masses are the outcome of a vast and intelligent thought there is in these terrible souls some mysterious blending of the force of fate and that of destiny some prescience which suddenly elevates them above their fellows the masses seek them for a time in their own ranks then they raise their eyes and see these lordly souls above them such reflections as these seem to mademoiselle de venouille to justify and even to ennoble her thoughts of vengeance this travail of her soul and its expectations gave her vigour enough to bear the unusual fatigues of this strange journey at the end of each property galop chopin made the women dismount from their donkeys and climb the obstructions then mounting again they made their way through the boggy paths which already felt the approach of winter the combination of tall trees sunken paths and enclosed places kept the soil in a state of humidity which wrapped the travellers in a mantle of ice however after much wearisome fatigue they managed to reach the woods of marignier by sunrise the journey then became less difficult and led by a broad footway through the forest the arch formed by the branches and the great size of the trees protected the travellers from the weather and the many difficulties of the first half of their way did not recur they had hardly gone a couple of miles through the woods before they heard a confused noise of distant voices and the tinkling of a bell the silvery tones of which did not have the monotonous sound given by the movements of cattle gallop chopin listened with great attention as he walked along to this melody presently a puff of wind brought several chanted words to his ear which seemed to affect him powerfully for he suddenly turned the wearied donkeys into a by-path which led away from st james paying no attention to the remonstrances of mademoiselle de venouille whose fears were increased by the darkness of the forest path along which their guide now led them to right and left were enormous blocks of granite laid one upon the other of whimsical shape across them huge roots had glided like monstrous serpents seeking from afar the juicy nourishment enjoyed by a few beeches the two sides of the road resembled the subterranean grottoes that are famous for stalactites immense festoons of stone where the darkling verdure of ivy and holly allied itself to the green-gray patches of the moss and lichen hid the precipices and the openings into several caves when the three travellers had gone a few steps through a very narrow path a most surprising spectacle suddenly unfolded itself to mademoiselle de venouille's eyes and made her understand the obstinacy of her chouan guide a semi-circular basin of granite blocks formed an amphitheatre on the rough tiers of which rose tall black pines and yellowing chestnuts one above the other 
like a vast circus where the wintry sun shed its pale colours rather than poured its light and autumn had spread her tawny carpet of fallen leaves about the middle of this hall which seemed to have had the deluge for its architect stood three enormous druid stones a vast altar on which was raised an old church banner about a hundred men kneeling with bared heads were praying fervently in this natural enclosure where a priest assisted by two other ecclesiastics was saying mass the poverty of the sacerdotal vestments the feeble voice of the priest which echoed like a murmur through the open space the praying men filled with conviction and united by one and the same sentiment the bare cross the wild and barren temple the dawning day gave the primitive character of the earlier times of christianity to the scene mademoiselle de venouille was struck with admiration this mass set in the depths of the woods this worship driven back by persecution to its sources the poesy of ancient times revived in the midst of this weird and romantic nature these armed and unarmed chouans cruel and praying men yet children all these things resembled nothing that she had ever seen or yet imagined she remembered admiring in her childhood the pomps of the roman church so pleasing to the senses but she knew nothing of god alone his cross on the altar his altar the earth in place of the carved foliage of a gothic cathedral the autumnal trees upheld the sky instead of a thousand colours thrown through stained-glass windows the sun could barely slide its ruddy rays and dull reflections on altar priest and people the men present were a fact a reality and not a system it was a prayer not a religion but human passions the momentary repression of which gave harmony to the picture soon reappeared on this mysterious scene and gave it powerful vitality as mademoiselle de venouille reached the spot the reading of the gospel was just over she recognized in the officiating priest not without fear the abbe goudin and she hastily slipped behind a granite block drawing francine after her she was however unable to move galop chopin from the place he had chosen and from which he intended to share in the benefits of the ceremony but she noticed the nature of the ground around her and hoped to be able to evade the danger by getting away when the service was over before the priests through a large fissure of the rock that hid her she saw the abbe goudin mounting a block of granite which served him as a pulpit where he began his sermon with the words in nomine patris et filii et spiritus sancti all present made the sign of the cross my dear friends continued the abbe let us pray in the first place for the souls of the dead jean coquagrou nicolo laferte joseph brulet francois parquois sulpice coupio all of this parish and dead of wounds received in the fight on montpelerin and at the siege of fougeres de profundis etc the psalm was recited according to custom by the congregation and the priests taking verses alternately with a fervour which augured well for the success of the sermon when it was over the abbe continued in a voice which became gradually louder and louder for the former jesuit was not unaware that vehemence of delivery was in itself a powerful argument with which to persuade his semi-savage hearers these defenders of our god christians have set you an example of duty he said are you not ashamed of what will be said of you in paradise 
if it were not for these blessed ones who have just been received with open arms by all the saints our lord might have thought that your parish is inhabited by mohammedans do you know men what is said of you in brittany and in the king's presence what you don't know then i shall tell you they say behold the blues have cast down altars and killed priests and murdered the king and queen they mean to make the parish folk of brittany blues like themselves and send them to fight in foreign lands away from their churches where they run the risk of dying without confession and going eternally to hell and yet the gar of marognier whose churches they have burned stand still with folded arms oh oh this republic of damned souls has sold the property of god and that of the nobles at auction it has shared the proceeds with the blues it has decreed in order to gorge itself with money as it does with blood that a crown shall be only worth three francs instead of six and yet the gar of marignet haven't seized their weapons and driven the blues from brittany ha paradise will be closed to them they can never save their souls that's what they say of you in the king's presence it is your own salvation christians which is at stake your souls are to be saved by fighting for religion and the king saint anne of Valois herself appeared to me yesterday at half-past two o'clock and she said to me these very words which i now repeat to you are you a priest of marignier yes madame ready to serve you i am saint anne of Auray, aunt of god after the manner of brittany i have come to bid you warn the people of marignier that they must not hope for salvation if they do not take arms you are to refuse them absolution from their sins unless they serve god bless their guns and those who gain absolution will never miss the blues because their guns are sanctified she disappeared leaving an odour of incense behind her i marked the spot it is under the oak of the pate d'oe just where that beautiful wooden virgin was placed by the rector of st james to whom the crippled mother of pierre le roi otherwise called marchater came to pray and was cured of all her pains because of her son's good deeds you see her there in the midst of you and you know that she walks without assistance it was a miracle a miracle intended like the resurrection of marie labraquin to prove to you that god will never forsake the breton cause so long as the people fight for his servants and for the king therefore my dear brothers if you wish to save your souls and show yourselves defenders of god and the king you will obey all the orders of the man whom god has sent to us and whom we call the gar then indeed you will no longer be mohammedans you will rank with all the gar of brittany under the flag of god you can take from the pockets of the blues the money they have stolen from you for if the fields have to go uncultivated while you are making war god and the king will deliver to you the spoils of your enemies shall it be said christians that the gar of Morinier are behind the gar of the morabihan the gar of st georges of vitre or antrain who are all faithful to god and the king will you let them get all the spoils will you stand like heretics with your arms folded when other bretons are saving their souls and saving their king forsake all and follow me says the gospel have we not forsaken our tithes we priests and you i say to you forsake all for this holy war you shall be like the maccabees all will be forgiven you you will find the priests and curates in your midst and you will conquer pay attention to these words christians he said as he ended for this day only have we the power to bless your guns those who do not take advantage of the saint's favour will not find her merciful she will not forgive them or listen to them as she did in the last war this appeal enforced by the power of a loud voice and by many gestures the vehemence of which bathed the orator 
in perspiration produced apparently very little effect the peasants stood motionless their eyes on the speaker like statues but mademoiselle de venouille presently noticed that this universal attitude was the result of a spell cast by the abbe on the crowd he had like great actors held his audience as one man by addressing their passions and self-interests he had absolved excesses before committal and broken the only bonds which held these boorish men to the practice of religious and social precepts he had prostituted his sacred office to political interests but it must be said that in these times of revolution every man made a weapon of whatever he possessed for the benefit of his party and the pacific cross of jesus became as much an instrument of war as the peasants plough share seeing no one with whom to advise mademoiselle de venouille turned to look for francine and was not a little astonished to see that she shared in the rapt enthusiasm and was devoutly saying her chaplet over some beads which galop chopin had probably given her during the sermon francine she said in a low voice are you afraid of being a mohammedan oh mademoiselle replied the girl just see pierre's mother she is walking francine's whole attitude showed such deep conviction that marie understood at once the secret of the homily the influence of the clergy over the rural masses and the tremendous effect of the scene which was now beginning the peasants advanced one by one and knelt down presenting their guns to the preacher who laid them upon the altar Caleb chopin offered his old duck shooter the three priests sang the hymn Wayne creator while the celebrant wrapped the instruments of death in bluish clouds of incense waving the smoke into shapes that appeared to interlace one another when the breeze had dispersed the vapour the guns were returned in due order each man received his own on his knees from the hands of the priests who recited a latin prayer as they returned them after the men had regained their places the profound enthusiasm of the congregation mute till then broke forth and resounded in a formidable manner domine salum fac regem was the prayer which the preacher intoned in an echoing voice and was then sung vehemently by the people the cry had something savage and warlike in it the two notes of the word regem readily interpreted by the peasants were taken with such energy that mademoiselle de venouille's thoughts reverted almost tenderly to the exiled bourbon family these recollections awakened those of her past life her memory revived the fetes of a court now dispersed in which she had once such share the face of the marquis entered her reverie with the natural mobility of a woman's mind she forgot the scene before her and reverted to her plans of vengeance which might cost her her life or come to naught under the influence of a look seeing a branch of holly the trivial thought crossed her mind that in this decisive moment when she wished to appear in all her beauty at the ball she had no decoration for her hair and she gathered a tuft of the prickly leaves and shining berries with the idea of wearing them ho ho my gun may miss fire on a duck but on a blue never cried galop chopin nodding his head in sign of satisfaction marie examined her guide's face attentively and found it of the type of those she had just seen the old chouan had evidently no more ideas than a child a naive joy wrinkled his cheeks and forehead as he looked at his gun but a pious conviction cast upon that expression of his joy a tinge of fanaticism which brought into his face for an instant the signs of the vices of civilization End of section thirteen